When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Your cousin from Boston. New Sam Adams Wicked Easy is light and wicked easy to drink. Which means it's wicked easy to call up some buddies for a little day sesh. So, wicked sorry I'm late. Sam Adams Wicked Easy. Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. It is film study once again. This is where we get to look at the offense, which was a little different this week than it has been the past few weeks. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm I'm doing good. I uh, can't. It's getting cold down here, and I gotta say, I don't I don't mind it getting a little chilly down here. What what's what's cold for you? Sixty four degrees. <laughs> yeah, I think it was in the. I think it got to a low of fifty five today. <laughs> Okay, I'm so, uh, I'm crying for you. Yeah, so I can't really say it's cold. I know what you guys are dealing with up there, but you know what? I got to wear a sweatshirt this morning, and that was pretty nice. First time that really down in here in Florida. So, um, all right. So our guest today is Lindsay. Lindsay OK on Twitter, you know her as, or LindsayOK.com. Lindsay, how's it going? I'm good. How are you guys? Besides, really cold. Right. <laughs> it's all good. I'm excited to talk about this game and uh to really dig in ken with 
with this game because the Ravens played it completely different because the game plan that has been working didn't work this time, and they had to grind it out. That's right. So they didn't have as many opportunities to pass in this game. Uh, under very adverse circumstances, they ground out a good win. Obviously, the 49ers, a very good team, gave them a good game for the length of it, which the Ravens haven't had in a long time. Seems like Lamar Jackson hasn't seen the fourth quarter in about six weeks. But uh, this game, uh, he, he played the entire time, played well, and uh, drove the Ravens down the field for that ideal game-ending field goal any team would like to have. Yeah, it's exciting. Now, before we really get into the notes and detail, uh, Lindsay, can you introduce yourself and kind of tell our listeners a little bit about you? Sure. So I um, I used to cover the Ravens specifically. I wrote for USA Today. I was also on um, a Ravens podcast a couple of years ago. Um, but I really got my start. I interned for Ed Reed, um, and he kind of just introduced me to a little bit of the other side of football. So I got to see it as a fan first, and then I got to see it kind of like a behind-the-scenes look. Um, and then from there, I never wanted to be a writer. I never wanted to do any of this. I hated English in school. I hated writing papers. I hated it. But um, I kind of found my niche and found what I was good at. And, um, yeah, I kind of just – it kind of fell into my lap. And so I'm kind of doing my own thing now. Um, but – yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I really enjoy doing it. So, do you do this as a full time gig, Lindsay, or do you have other employment? Um, I do it full time. Yeah. Terrific, terrific. I'll see. I really, I, I this is our first interaction of any sort. I'm I'm thrilled to meet you. Well, I'm interested and completely will be surprised by how this episode goes. I'm sure. All right, great. I can't wait to get started. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk about Lamar Jackson a little bit. We, we we're talking about the offense. We start with him. Uh, did not have an accurate passing day. Uh, we saw him admit as much to it after the fact. Obviously, he's his own worst critic, getting putting his head down. I don't know how much of it is affected, how much of it is real, but certainly didn't have his best game in the rain. Uh, had some troubles missing misfiring on receivers by several feet in places where they couldn't possibly catch the ball. And, uh, you know, not what we're used to from Lamar. Yeah, um, I, I like how you um, you said that he admitted um, what he did wrong. And I, I really appreciate that, especially from like a second year guy. That's something you want to see as a guy that's being thrown into being a leader um, only in his second year. So I really I really like that from him. Yeah, the team really uh, clearly liked the fact that he came down the bench and was was high five, not high five, everybody apologizing for that fumble. I don't know if you saw the video of that today, and uh, you know, it was everybody saying, "I got your back," you know, "We got you." Uh, just a great response. This this team is really drawn to him. It's hard not to like the guy. He's a very likable character with everything he does. Uh, and then you see players like Yanda and whatnot treating him the way they do, and and you just say, "This is this is a great." team chemistry that the Ravens obviously have. Yeah. And going off of that, like the coaching staff too. I mean, you've seen the videos that Adam Schefter's tweeted and everything like that about their relationship. I really like that too. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of coaches being some of the guys, the Martindale uh, bling video that we saw our pictures of him pulling out his, uh, you know, necklace and whatnot to, to fit in with the, the picture and whatnot. Great stuff. All right, let's talk about Lamar a little more. Ample time and space on 9 of 24 dropbacks. Uh, ample time and space a three-second pocket, as we, we probably say once every three weeks or so on here. 38% of the time, so a little below the 2019 average. Expected yards of 136 based on that ample time and space. 
That uses a Flacco average from 2010 to 2017. He actually only threw for 105. His first really bad game of the year relative to that standard. So uh, uh, obviously conditions were not ideal, but uh, but certainly not a good game. Defenders got their hand on the ball for passes defense a couple times. A couple more throws are behind the receiver. We talked about that. You know what the good news is, and we still have to have to find this, is there were no interceptions in the game. He's gone five games again without an interception. He's got a second interceptionless streak going that I believe now is at 174. Uh, so that is that's approaching the longer streak he had, which is over 200 passes that uh, that stretched from last year to this year. Yeah, um, I like this. I like the streak he's on now, especially in the in the conditions last week. I kind of expected him to have a pick there, especially against the 49ers defense. So I'm glad that he was able to keep this going. Yeah, it's he's done this all against really good secondaries, Lindsay. So I mean, you know, it's been the Patriots, and he threw a lot of three yard passes in that game, but they avoided throwing into the teeth of the strengths of the opponent. Seattle, you know, there's been several opponents here where where they should have had picks and they didn't pick Lamar. Yeah, and um, it it was kind of a quote-unquote bad day for the offense. Um, it was still a good day for any of the worst offenses in the league. But I think the the rain, as you did mention, had a lot to do with it. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying, like on Twitter and elsewhere, that he would have been better if you know the sun was shining and it was a great day. But I also think that's kind of unfair to say because I feel like the 49ers could have been better also. So I kind of feel like it's a little tough to judge. Um so I'm not going to say hopefully because I don't want to jinx them, but maybe we'll see it again and maybe we'll kind of get a better idea there. Could could well be the case. We're going into December, the January football, whether it's playoffs, probably in Baltimore for as long as the Ravens will be playing until Miami. Uh, or they're, but, they're, but they play a bunch of cold weather games, nothing warmer than Baltimore the rest of the way. So uh, good chance for some bad weather. I, I do have good news. I think it's going to be 45 and partly sunny in Buffalo. Still have 17 mile per hour winds. But uh, but that's pretty darn good conditions for They're December there, yeah. in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to talk about was just, you know, we talked about the passing game and how that didn't work out as well. But he had a really big game on the ground. And I think I want to do something here and take a step back with our audience and really kind of explain how the read option worked in this game as an example. Because I think if you if you've been hearing the term read option by now and you're living in Baltimore, you may be at a point where you're embarrassed to ask what's the read option. At this point, so I'm going to try and explain it in terms of a single play and in terms of how it really stymied the 49ers uh, in this game. So uh, the read option, essentially, at least as the Ravens run it in, in this case, usually allows an edge defender to have unfettered access into the backfield. So let's say Orlando Brown will, instead of blocking the man straight up or on the edge, will instead block inside, allowing an edge defender into the back backfield. Now. The, the 49ers in particular have elite edge defenders. So Eric Armstead and Joey Bosa are among the best pass rushers in the league. And they certainly would love to take them out of the game in whatever way they could. So anyway, the, the, the elite edge rusher is now in the backfield, which we normally associate as being a bad thing with a, with a stationary quarterback. Lamar Jackson then, uh, taking a shotgun snap, then stuffs the football into the gut of the pistol running back who's coming up to his right side now if they allowed the right side defender into the backfield. So Lamar is facing that right side defender. The running back passes him on the right side. The ball is in his gut. And one of the key factors to look at is, does Lamar have one or two hands on the ball? But he has to have two hands on the ball 
to run the read option because he has the option then to pull the ball. That's the option. And the read is figuring out, does that edge defender, is he going after the running back or is he still focused on what Jackson's going to do and presuming that he's not going to hand the ball off? Well, Jackson, his ability to read that correctly is central, of course, to the success of this play. If he reads that the, that the defender is still focused on him, he'll hand it off to the running back. The running back will presumably have decent space in the middle of the field, um, in part because that edge defender is, is not in a position to tackle him and will have an opportunity to, to get a run of some distance. Otherwise, if he sees that the edge defender is focused on that running back, he'll pull the ball and usually run around that edge defender, taking him immediately out of the play. And then... Furthermore, the Ravens will have usually a fullback or tight end who came from the backfield, a tight end on the edge, usually a receiver on that side, and then the right tackle who he blocked to the inside to start that play, but now he's a free blocker. So that provides the offense with four guys often, sometimes it's only three, to make effective blocks at the line of scrimmage against scraping linebackers and in level two and level three to really burst Jackson for a big play. And when Jackson gets to the line of scrimmage on those read option plays, it's typically a gain of 7, 10, 15, 20 yards. It's usually not a short gain, which has been a lot of what's fueled his outstanding yards per play this year, which is uh, yards per rush, which is about eight when you take out those uh, kneels. I'm sorry, Lindsay, I'll give you a chance here. No, you, you're. I was just thinking this whole time, man, he's really good at this. Like, God, how do I follow this up? What do I say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's funny. We got, we got a little upset, I think, in this game. <laughs> Because the 49ers are running the ball very effectively to the edge, right? Right, yeah. And, you know, the Ravens themselves, though, despite the fact they gave up eight runs of six-plus yards, seven of those to the outside, the Ravens on their on their side of the field had 13 plays of six-plus yards, eight of those from Jackson, another five from Ingram. And, you know, it's, it's just we got to—the Ravens got a small dose of their own medicine from the 49ers, from a team that played very heavy— and very active run-blocking team that's very good at it, and yet it still was not nearly as effective as what the Ravens do. Uh, Jackson, in terms of the passing game, did have the arm angle variation we've grown used to. Uh, he did have some nice completed passes, particularly on that last drive, one to Hurst that was key, and another to Andrews for 12 yards that that helped uh, uh, keep that drive going and uh, definitely was a, was a key to the game. I, I was going to ask you, Lindsay, do you, is there a play from the game that you like that you'd like to just talk about for a minute? Yeah, like you mentioned, Mark Andrews, he um, he's becoming one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. Um, he reminds me a lot of Dennis Pitta. And if if Dennis Pitta and Travis Kelsey had a baby, um, <laughs> that would be Mark Andrews. Like Pitta was always there. You know, he was always that reliable guy. He always just happened to pop up when you needed him. And Mark, um, Mark Andrews has that too. And then Travis Kelsey has that ability to just get in there and get the ball. And he doesn't care about anything else. What he cares about right now is getting the ball. He doesn't care if he falls on his ribs or anything like he'll worry about the rest later. Um, and I love how, um, it seems like every single week, Lamar Jackson just has that ability to connect with Mark Andrews whenever he needs to. And I feel like that's kind of his safety net a little bit. And I really like seeing that. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. So we saw a couple of good ones in this game. The sliding catch by Andrews for the 12-yard gain on the final drive was a, was a thing of beauty. Andrews really went down for the ball effectively. It wasn't right on the money, but it was thrown where the defender couldn't do anything about it. And he was able to go right down and get the ball as if he knew exactly where it was coming. I like that. 
Yeah, that was, did, that was the one I was talking about, yeah. Well, Lindsay, tell us what you thought about the non-pass interference call on Mark Andrews. Does that, to me, seemed a little bit inconsistent with the earlier pass interference call on Humphrey? Um, so I think the league just needs to be a little bit more consistent with this. Um, I think both of the one, the one, both calls were bad, both against Humphrey and Mark Andrews. Um, and unfortunately the rule number one of pass interference calls is do not challenge it. You're going to get screwed by it. You're going to lose a timeout. Like that's the bottom line. You might even not, there's just no point in doing it. Um, so right now with this one, I, I just, I'm, I'm at like, what these things happen every week where I feel like I'm at a loss for words by how stupid this is. I mean, if you're getting, if you're hitting a receiver in the head with your elbow and it doesn't count as pass interference, then the defensive backs are going to get away with pretty much anything, you know? Um, So I feel like it's always going to be just something that you just should not do. And I think I, I kind of wanted Harbaugh to be a little bit smarter about that, but I mean, it is what it is. Fair enough. So they had three of six challenges the week before. They mentioned this on air. Uh, reversed. So they had a little bit of a trend towards reversing. They had one earlier that day reversed. So I don't know if they've if they've had any kind of a side meeting or directive to say, hey, look, you're treating this like you need a plus information that says that it's that it needs to be reversed, and we wanted you to treat it as if it's B plus or better information. And I don't know how to describe it any better than that, but. Uh, but anyway, I think that they're probably using a different standard the last two weeks in, in terms of adjudicating those calls. I, I thought it was pretty clearly pass interference. And to me, the big thing was exactly what you mentioned. It was the forearm to the head. It wasn't any of the stuff about coming through the back, shoulder to shoulder, all that. I could live with that. But the, but the elbow to the head, I you know, can't be. Yeah, I mean, come on. All right, we're going to talk about the offensive line. I'm, I'm just going to give you a chance after each of these players uh, talk about them in terms of what you see, Lindsay, and uh, and uh, we can you can pass me on at any point you want, or or I'll just keep going. But uh, start with Ronnie Stanley. Uh, had another solid game, but certainly not his best. Uh, he allowed a quarterback hit when he appeared to be confused on the play in terms of what was blocking. Actually, looked like Stanley thought it was a read option call where he was allowing that defender into the backfield. Just put a hand on him, then stop blocking him. He didn't go move downfield, which uh, you know made me think maybe he thinks it's a pass play or a, or a triple option. But Lamar did not make any sort of fake to put the ball in the mesh, and so uh, uh, it just ended up being a quarterback hit that was a pretty hard one, frankly, and was flagged. But it still would have been a quarterback hit anyway, because because he was there uh, uh, not early. That's uh, Sebastian Day, I believe, or Day. And uh, anyway, it was a it was a bad quarterback hit allowed. He allowed two pressures as well. Uh, B minus overall. Definitely faced top flight talent. I did reduce the adjustments in this game slightly for the for the regular listeners. Uh, the reason being that uh, the wet conditions I think slowed down the 49ers pass rush a little bit. Uh, Stanley had six level two blocks, so he's looking for work still very well. Three pancakes, made two out of two pulls. Uh, you know, a very solid continued effort for Stanley, but ends up being about his third worst game of the year. Yeah, he's played pretty well this season. Um, he's had the injury bug a little bit in the past, and he's kind of been kind of inconsistent in the past. So I really like how he's playing this year. And like you said, it wasn't one of his best games, but I'll allow it. <laughs> All right. I see. I, the one thing that's concerning me, I agree on the injury thing, is that he he anytime he's on the ground, I'm concerned because he seems to definitely be a guy who can miss some time. He's a warrior. I mean, he's back out there quickly, but he seems to always have these 
you know, shin and knee problems that are going on that are that are uh, you know troubling and and disturbing anytime you see him take a hit there. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, move over to left guard, uh, Bradley Bozeman. Obviously, in a, he's got an, an important role that's more important now with McCary at center. Uh, that he's he's going to have to be doing more to contribute in that a gap. Uh, he's made fifty four to sixty two blocks, point eighty four in this game. Got his third straight B. What I really like about this is his pass block. He's improved. He only had one pressure allowed in this game. Now, the Ravens didn't throw it a ton, but one pressure allowed against a very imposing group of interior pass rushers that the San Francisco 49ers present. Um, he missed seven blocks, but made 10 out of 13 pulls, uh, eight blocks in level two. I, I'm, I, I like a lot of the development of Bozeman during this season. These last three games, while the Ravens have been, been playing great, he's made a big contribution to that. Yeah, he's kind of picked up where almost Alex Lewis left off. He's kind of that guy that you might not have to move him around, but you feel like you know you can. So I feel I like that kind of um, security they have with him there. Yeah, it'd be nice if they if they did have a problem at center. I, I'm I'm now feeling pretty good about Bozeman moving there. Move on to center. This is the guy everybody's talking about this week. Is is uh, Patrick McCary, the guy who is now got the full-time center role or without Matt Skura. Generally speaking, very positive about the game. Didn't have any penalties in this game. In fact, only had one charge in the game for a penetration. And that means he allowed half of uh, a charge for Lamar's three-yard loss near the end of the game. It was right before the field goal, two plays before it. Uh, he allowed Taylor into, Julian Taylor into the backfield. And that was part of the containment that finally caught Lamar for that loss. Uh, but otherwise, he played well. He had eight missed blocks. That's a little high for a center. Most of the stuff, and it's a various group of reasons. I encourage you to go out to the article if you really want to hear uh, what those are or how I how I saw it anyway. But two of them were shed is the action verb. And that's the one that's really serious about McCary. He's got shorter arms. And when taller interior defenders are able to get their hands on him, they can off him shed him by moving him to one side or, or even flicking him to the ground. So uh, he's he's got to be able to work through that because there's no there's no real uh, getting past this uh, set of cards he's been dealt in life. Yeah, for sure. I like the way that he kind of st- he stepped in for Matt Skura and the Ravens offensive line didn't seem to miss a beat. And center's a really hard job. A lot of people don't realize how tough being a good center is and for him to just be thrown to the wolves and be able to hold his own and be able to not slow down the offense, which is sometimes what can happen there um, for him to not be able to do that. And for him to be able to keep it consistent is really great. Yeah, it, it's that's, that's very true. I did want to mention one thing about this because you mentioned stepped in for, for Matt Skura, but one point about McCary was Skura's footwork has always been something I've praised and he had gone a long period of time and I don't know if he's done it once but it wouldn't be any more than once over the last two seasons that Skura has impeded a pull by tripping somebody up up, moving from left to right or right to left but on one of the plays in this game McCary stepped back with his left foot and directly onto the right foot of Bozeman who pulled Bozeman slipped to the ground, and that's the kind of thing that used to happen a lot with Mike Flynn at center in 2006. Uh, and, and the Ravens have been very fortunate with both Burke and with uh, Skura to have some centers who have not been doing that uh, for much of the last decade or so. But uh, but anyway, it's a, it's a reason to miss Matt Skura, and hopefully that's something McCary can clean up because that's a, that's a big angle. B for McCary on this game, though, 
And, uh, and generally speaking, I'm very positive about the fact he took a big step forward like that. All right, let's move on to Marshall Yanda. So uh, another great game. And, you know, Marshall Yanda, he just it does it every week. And I run out of ways to describe what he's done. A third of a pressure, sorry, a half a pressure and a third of a sack in this one. Uh, what happened on the sack was he actually allowed the pocket to be flushed. Lamar, I think, probably held the ball too long trying to make a play, eventually took a sack for zero, which is no real different from an incomplete anyway. So I called it just a pressure in terms of what happened here. Uh, He he scored uh, an 89 without adjustment, with adjustment that takes him into the A range, made four to five pulls. Uh, Excellent game for, for Yanda again. He had two plays I want to talk about on the final drive. So he had two highlight plays as far as I'm concerned. The first was on the fourth and one play from the 44. So the Ravens were sitting there with, I think it was about 439 to go, fourth and one, and they, you know, the whole game is riding, frankly, on that play because if they give the ball over and down, San Francisco's going to score and they might run out the clock. But Yanda uh, not only got the hole made, he pancaked the man opposite him, which was a, an inside linebacker, Warner, and then he had the presence of mind, and I guess this is you know the presence of long years of experience, to move directly over him into level two and leave the hole open for uh, Lamar to squirt through for three yards in the first down. So that was great. A little bit later on the same drive, third and one. Now the, now the play, the, 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 what's at stake is if the Ravens get a first down, then they can run out the clock. And he pulled from right to left, obviously. He found a space where there was nobody to block. And yet he dove into it beyond the line of scrimmage. And what that did is that created a space there where no 49er could stick their foot and lever into that hole to stop Lamar. So there was a safety there, was a linebacker there. I'm sorry, a corner on a linebacker there. And neither of them could make a play over Yonda. And Lamar actually dove right on top of Yonda. And you see they had a kind of a moment on the ground there where Yonda's patting him on the head and telling him what a good job he's done. Uh, to get this game-winning first down. But just great play by Yonda in both those instances. Yeah, and going off of that, like Marshall Yonda's ability to make those type of highlight plays that late in the game at his age is just something that is fantastic. I think he's been so underrated his entire career, and I think he's having, if not his one of his best seasons, his best season of his entire career. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Sorry, it's go No, go ahead. I, I just I'm just saying somebody somebody gave us a little snippet of him destroying the center who had been I'm sorry the nose tackle who'd been held up by McCarry on a play and he he pancaked him and then moved to level two and made a block in this game and I'm like that's exactly the kind of combination that block I want to see made on two guys on the stage or maybe two dummies on the stage that they set up on the, his way to the podium at uh, at Canton. Anyway, expecting uh, expecting Marshall to be a Hall of Famer someday here. Let's move on to uh, to uh, Orlando Brown, who at right tackle uh, has been on a streak of very good games here. He had another good one here, two and a half pressures allowed on 62 plays, missed three other blocks. He is benefiting tremendously from Lamar Jackson. We talked a little bit about this last week, that when he is in a position where the edge defender is effectively having to manage two gaps – to hold up and see what Lamar does that makes it very easy for a monolith of a man like Orlando Brown to stop the bull rush. So he's very good at that. And it, Orlando Brown further has, has gotten the advantage, as we talked about this week in some of these read option plays, of being able to 
not have to deal with a with a single single block on an edge defender, but instead to block inside and slow that man down and then look for another block in level two or against a scraping linebacker. The entire read option system really benefits Orlando Brown, and it's it's great that the Ravens have this in place. Um, loving the way it's been. Another A for Brown in this game. Uh, three pancakes as well. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. Yeah, I like how they play off each other. They really play to each other's strengths. And I think I would even go as far to say he might be one of the most underrated offensive players on this team right now. Yeah, probably, definitely probably true. Certainly has been worth every bit of that draft pick. What a find at uh, at 83. So we had Hurst come in the game for four plays, made all his blocks, included two pancakes for James Hurst, by the way. So a good game for him uh, in, in limited time. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? That's the OL scoring. We got through that. Um, I did want to talk about the offense in general and a little bit of level. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, Lindsay, when you said the offense had a quote unquote bad day by having only 20 points. I look at this a little differently. I say they only really had eight drives in this game, horrible weather conditions, tough opponent They had eight drives for 20 points. That's two and a half points per drive. The Ravens now sit at 3.31 points per drive. Their offense in all of NFL history, or certainly at least back to 93, and I'm sure before that too, um, has the highest scoring offense trailing only the New England Patriots of 2007, who are at 3.37 points per drive. We're watching history, folks, here. I hope you really appreciate the Lamar Jackson era. I do. (laughs) He's really made a believer out of me. I wasn't sold at first, and I'm kind of like, I'm not going to say I'm famous on Twitter for it, but I kind of doubted him. I'm not going to lie about it. but it took me a little longer to warm up than than some. I'm, I still there's a little tiny inkling of me that says, is this too good to be true? But that's just me playing devil's advocate, I think. Um, but, yeah, he's really I, I expected a, a turnaround for him. I mean, you can't really get worse than that playoff game last year. Um, but I did not expect him to be this good at all. I'm so impressed. Yeah, I, I, just it's the first day of camp. I mean, you see, this guy has spent so much time investing in himself during the offseason. Uh, I saw it with Ryan Jensen before the 2017 season when he had his breakout, and he earned a big contract out of it. I hope any number of Ravens will take the opportunity to, to make that step forward over this offseason. Miles Boykin, I mean, there's a guy who probably needs to go to a receiving coach to, to do some things differently on the field, but he's got all the tools in the world to be a great player it just sure. probably needs some some good offseason work with things. The Ravens have probably five or seven other guys who who can take a big leap forward as well. So, uh, are you a natural worrier, Lindsay, as a sports fan? Yes, one hundred percent. I I mean, I lived through Billy Cundiff was like one of the worst nights of my life. I don't know. I just <laughs> I always feel like it's not that I like want them to lose, or it's not that I, you know necessarily think it's too good to be true I genuinely want them to win I genuinely think they can win it's just there's a part of me that's like I'm not gonna let myself get disappointed so I'm gonna kind of expect this a little bit (laughs) if that makes sense (laughs) I I I agree I think there's something about that I'm a natural warrior too about these kind of things so I you know I look and I, I I focus on the thing that's not going well but the, the truth of the matter is that the, the, the Ravens are, are, a, are a terrific ball club right now. That's, that, that's for, uh, for starters. Uh, but I think there's also a, con- a consistency between sports fans really want to have that. They want to have something to worry about. And the other thing they want to have is something to complain about. 
They need, then they need to have a forum to complain about. You're on Twitter. You know this. You know, just everybody's looking to complain to everything else about, you know, how they were hosed out of the game and whatnot. But uh, very much have they, they have it in common with gamblers. Pokers always, poker players always want to tell you their bad beat story and, you know, basically tell your mama your bad beat story. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm sick of the whole, like, Lamar versus Russell Wilson thing. Um, I just... Can we just enjoy that they're both playing at such a high level? It doesn't need to be this like constant argument. It doesn't need to be this constant fight. Like nobody's out to get Lamar Jackson anymore. Everybody thinks he's good. And if you don't think he's good by now, then you have bigger issues, you know? Like that's kind of where I stand. Like I'm so I I'm sick of like the whole the national media hates us kind of thing. Nobody hates Lamar anymore. Like nobody is doubting him anymore. Like he won. Like, we can stop this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think the national media is out to get the Ravens. I think every every team has its own inferiority complex. If you look at their fan boards about why the officials don't want to let them win. I don't, I see it from Pittsburgh, from New York, from L.A., from everywhere. Uh, you know, everybody thinks that. They, even the Packers, I mean, said, you know, we don't have a we don't have an owner. So you're never going to treat us fairly. Oh, you know, kind of so, so, <laughs> so it's just it's pretty ridiculous. It's all around the NFL and uh, uh you know, we're not no group is alone in that regard. So uh, anyway, we'll move on. Great offense. We're just going to we're just going to enjoy the moment. Baltimore hasn't had the hot young quarterback in the league since Burt Jones in the 1970s. You know, we're so lucky. We're so blessed to have this guy here now uh, playing and we should really enjoy just how great this is, because in all likelihood, in all likelihood, we'll never see a season like it again. Lamar will not just get better in his career. That's not that's not a guarantee. And it's not there's no guarantee this that he will not he will even have a better year. But even if he did, that other people around him wouldn't have as good years. So I think there's there's a very good chance this is the best offensive season we'll see in Baltimore for the next say 20 years. Sure. And the perfect example of that was Pat Mahomes last year. Everybody was so amazed by what he did last year. And it was like, I mean, I kind of said Earlier this year, I was like, yeah, he was great last year, but you can't expect that again. You know, um, you can't expect him to keep this high up like it has to go down at some point. So, yeah, there you go. And that's uh, it's very true. If, if the fates are a little bit fickle. Obviously, Mahomes had a little bit of injury this year, but next year it could be Jackson with a small injury or some ineffectiveness or whatever it might be. So it certainly is possible. Let's talk about the other skill position players for a few minutes here in, in terms of uh, uh, who you liked in the game. But why don't you pick a player, tell me what you liked about him, and then we'll move on and, and uh, I'll, I'll take one. We'll do it that way. Okay. Um, I'm going to start Ingram first. I think he's just been fantastic. Um, the Ravens have had a history recently of having that that player who kind of has a great year and then you never hear from him again. We had Justin Forsett. We had Alex Collins. You know, those guys who just kind of showed their face and then that was it. I definitely think that Ingram has the ability to stay here. I think him and Jackson feed off of each other. Um, and I think, again, they play to each other's strengths. And um, he really um, he really did a great job, especially in that weather. And he, him and with the, the tandem between him and Jackson was just able to keep that, able to keep the plays going down the field the entire game. And I really just have enjoyed seeing him play here. Yeah, it's an unusual player, Ingram, because he's been in the league. This is his ninth season already. But he's got still less than 1,500 carries. He never had 200 and more than 230 in New Orleans. So he's a guy who comes to this team with a little bit less tread wear than other running backs. I mean, I, I'm thinking Jamal Lewis probably had this in about four seasons or pretty close to it. Not quite. Maybe five seasons. Uh, and, and 
you know, Jamal Lewis was pretty close to done after five seasons in the league. That was 2006 for the Ravens. Uh, 12, 2000, 2002 through five. We would have been through through uh, through five years. So anyway, uh, a lot of running backs would be done at his age. He's not because he's been used a lot as a receiver as opposed to being used as a back and uh, still clearly has some some uh, tread where to go. And the uh, Ravens are using it. OK, I'm going to pick a player now. We'll go with Hurst. I, you know, he, we haven't talked about Hayden Hurst much this year. He's only getting a couple targets a game. But this this game, he had four four targets, three catches for 21. They were all kind of short ones, obviously. He was wide open by the right sideline on a rollout by Lamar, got missed. Uh, made the big catch, or one of them, in terms of getting the, the team at a field goal range on that final drive. Uh, but he's, he's one thing we've seen from Hurst very consistently this year, even though he's getting fewer targets, is very good hands. Ball gets anywhere in his catch radius, and, and he's on it. Yeah, that's kind of what that's kind of what they drafted him for. Um, And unfortunately, he missed that first year due to the injury. But um, yeah, this is kind of the game where I I would have liked to see a little bit more from him. But I'm I'm not going to use the weather as an excuse again. But it's true. I mean, they he couldn't have been used any more than he really was. So um, I kind of wanted to see more. But if he keeps an upward trend of this, then I'll be happy with that, too. Okay, 23 out of 29 receptions on the year so far for Hurst. So he's very close to 80%, and uh, that's certainly an outstanding number for a tight end. You want to go go with another? Are there any others? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good question in terms of offense. How about Patrick Ricard and his contract today? Okay, yeah. What? How much did he sign for? Well, you know, I didn't hear the amount, but he signed okay. through 2021. And that is a key key element. I was trying to talk to the salary cap guru, Brian McFarlane, about it. But he he had to play this next year at about $3.5 million under an RFA tag because I don't think anyone okay. would have given the Ravens a second for him. So the question is, how much would they tack on an extra year for? And I'm thinking somewhere between maybe four to $5.5 million, but, uh, but I could be off on that. I, I'm thinking it's maybe an $8 million deal. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I like it. I think he's definitely one of those players that you were kind of surprised by this year. Um, he's done pretty well. Um, and obviously, if that's going to boost his morale, then I say go for it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it gets him here for an extra year. You know, it gives the Ravens another year of runway to sign him on a long-term deal, which I think has some value. Uh, but also gives Ricard the security that he probably wants as a player. And he's seen a lot of players that – Lack of security not working out. I mean, Matt Skura is a guy who the Ravens could have signed to a big term, big long-term deal this offseason. And it, now it does not appear like that will happen for, for, you know, for a variety of reasons. If Makaria plays well, then that's a problem for Skura. But even if he doesn't really play all that well, I think the Ravens will want to see if Skura is really healthy before they sign him to a long-term deal. You know, we've seen Patrick Owasso in his fourth year, you know, his walk year, his contract year, you know, just have a very disappointing season. You know, loses Mike Linebacker role and, and have to play less. Uh, in the past, Brent Urban is a guy who had to sign a one-year prove-it deal because it didn't work out. Go back far enough, you got Dwan Edwards who who had a similar situation. So these players who are entering their fourth year, you know, I, I would hope you're not – you're very seriously considering the divisible benefit that's available on the table and will consider – taking a, a, a deal that's that's in the middle that isn't completely favorable to the team but isn't completely favorable to you or what you'd get a year from now if you waited to get that money because it's it's a it's about security in this case in my opinion right and i'm a huge 
um, believer of take it while you can get it because you never know what can happen. So, yeah, the funny thing is, Lindsay, I mean, all the players really care about the guaranteed money in a contract. That's the first thing they care about. Yeah, they don't really care because the, the long term money they're they're concerned about not getting. And yet that's exactly what they're getting is guaranteed money up front, you know, a year early by doing a deal at this point. And they're and they're you know, they're taking a risk that they will be less than fully valued a year hence. So it, it's it, uh, you know, it's there's a give and take there. And I, I just uh, anyway. We said enough about that. It's, a, it's something I wish that more players would be reasonable about, I think, is what I would basically say. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, anybody else on offense? Or are we good? Um, I think we're good. All right. Fair enough. So looking at the, the entire Super Bowl landscape now, and you can look at various sources in terms of 538 or look at football outsiders in terms of their playoff odds. And you see some things that can make you very excited about the Ravens' chances right now. So I don't know if you if you if you follow any of these sites, but Football Outsiders, for example, right now has the Ravens at thirty one point four percent to win the Super Bowl, and fifty one point two percent to win the AFC. Okay. So if you don't have your tickets to Miami, Lindsay, you should probably <laughs> be making those plans now. See, this is where I'm going to get back to my devil's advocate here. A, I don't want to jinx it. Two, or B, you know, whatever. Um, I cannot bet against the Patriots. I just can't do it. I know that, like, anytime that you start to count out Tom Brady, anytime you say that he's getting old or he looks a little rusty or he doesn't have what he used to, like, the second you do that, boom, the Patriots win the Super Bowl. So I'm not going to do that this year. Um, okay. I did that the past like two years. So um, yeah, I still, as long as the Patriots, as long as there's Tom Brady, as long as there's Bill Belichick, they'll always be in the running for the Super Bowl. You can never count them out. Um, and then also the Texans could also be a team that could go into the playoffs and just surprise people. Um, you never know what's really going to happen in the NFL playoffs. So um, I'm really excited this year. I think it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, I don't think the Ravens are going to scoot on by as we would all like them to do. So I'll just well, say that. It's uh, it's exciting that at least it might be here. And the fact yes, that, that you know, the Ravens will get the opportunity to play certainly a, a first round game here, almost certainly anyway. And then, uh, you know, have, the, have the, the very high possibility or very good possibility of playing the AFC championship here. Uh, just a terrific Opportunity. The AFC Championship game hasn't been in Baltimore since 1970. The Ravens have never hosted it, of course. They were set up to do so in 2006. And, of course, that was one of the most painful football days of my life, that loss to the Colts. Lindsay, how old were you at that time? 2006? Yeah. Um, let's see. I forget how old I am all the time. Never I mind. was we, young. We don't. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> all right. I was I was hurt, very hurt by that uh, by that day, I can tell you. Anyway, uh, hopefully we won't uh, we won't face that. But I do. I, there's some of me that says the Ravens fans are getting just a little bit ahead of themselves. And another part and says that boy, we I just want to keep riding this wave and enjoy it for as long as it lasts. Anyway. Oh, for sure, definitely. All right, MVPs for the game. I'm going to name three from three to one, like hockey stars. Do you want to go with me, or do you want to just uh, kibitz as I go? Um, why don't you just go through them? Sure thing. So my number three guy is Ingram. Uh, obviously a physical game on the ground uh, with about 55 yards on 13 carries. Uh, good game for him. Not his best and, and still very valuable against the 49ers. 
My number two guy is Yonda. Outstanding game. Made the two key blocks for Jackson on that final drive. Uh, just did what he always does. And we, I never seem to include him in the offensive MVPs as it is. And he certainly deserves it. And my number three guy, my number one guy is Jackson. Uh, again, with a big game on the ground. Not the great game in the air that he'd been having. But uh, he definitely drove that final drive over the final six and a half minutes. And uh, to see the Ravens be able to do that yet again where they drain the clock and leave an opponent hopeless, you know, tossing their hands in the air is really something uh, I've grown accustomed to and I'm loving. Yeah, I agree with all those. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tell you what, Josh, let's go to the mailbag and see what we've got there. All right. The mailbag is your chance to steer the show by getting in your questions using the hashtag film study mailbag over on the Twitter or go into the message board and clicking on the little tab that says film study mailbag. First one up is about Hollywood Brown and the suite. Do you think that's something that the Ravens plan to use in the future or was it trying to get him involved in the bad weather? Okay. So, uh, First of all, do you want to talk about Hollywood Brown the sweep at all first to, to start it off, Lindsay? And I'll Oh no, you go ahead. Okay. So anyway, the, 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 the pitch play they use with jet action with Brown is a is actually a flip and they, they call it a pass. And his his only completion on two targets in this game was one of these little flips from, from Jackson, which is four yards behind the line of scrimmage. He took it for five yak for a total gain of one. That was his receiving yard on the day. Uh, that has worked in the past. Uh, it worked in better weather. I think the better the weather, the better the chance that Brown can use his speed and cutting ability to get by the defense. Uh, I, I, I know there are various theories on this, but uh, but I, I certainly think that he would have a better chance under better conditions. And, uh, and you know, they, I, I don't know what opportunity they really had to get him in the offense in this game. They obviously didn't really want to throw the ball deep where a lot of the 49ers strength is. They didn't want to risk, uh, you know, take some of the interception risk they have with other opponents, and they haven't wisely against a few. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm happy to see him get that play, and you know, options opportunities will come as they come for Hollywood Brown. All right, Rick wants to know: Was the Niners' ability to limit Lamar from getting outside for big runs due to the speed of their DBs, or no threat of the deep pass in those conditions? Not to be snarky about this, but, you know, Lamar ran for over 100 yards and a bunch of those runs were to the outside. I'd say he was pretty damn effective against the 49ers. Yeah, was it 101 maybe, or 95? Maybe he's, saying, maybe he's saying, like, not as effective, which I can see that there. But, I mean, I do agree with you. All right. Um, how about uh, the past two games? Uh, Rack, uh, McCary has shown enough to be a long-term rest- Placement for at center for Skura coming off that injury, and how does this year's offensive line rank compared to previous years? Okay, so the offensive line as compared to previous years, I'd say, is is very good. The, the offensive lines of two thousand and eight and nine were the best of the Harbaugh era, and probably the best up there with two thousand three of Ravens all time. Uh, in terms of talent, I'd say the 08 and 09 lines were probably just a little bit ahead of them, but neither of those lines obviously had Lamar Jackson. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good offensive line. It's got three star players. It's got a left guard in his first year of starting who is coming along well enough to keep his job. And I, I think that's a good place to be. 
They had a center who was ascending, not quite at the star level yet in Skura. They've obviously lost him, and I think we have an unknown there in terms of McCary. I'm optimistic based on what's happened in these in these couple of games. I think most of what went wrong in those two games was the two holding penalties. Uh, so anyway, I think that that there are reasons to be optimistic about McCary, but I'm not I'm not ready to stick my foot in the ground as Lamar with and 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 run with him. All right. The only thing this offense is really missing is a legit number two wide receiver. Has Boykin just not been getting it done, or is it a chemistry issue with Lamar? Lindsay, let's get you involved in that. Um, I, I, I want to go off of what you said earlier about how he just kind of needs to get in this offseason and kind of do some work. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think they're they're obviously doing well without him being at, being as more involved than he is. Um, but I mean, it, I, I don't want to say that in this type of offense, you don't really need a number two receiver because you obviously do, but they're able right now to get away without it. Um, and I think it will only make them better if he does go in with a guy this off season and kind of work on all the tweaks and, um, just get him up to speed so that he can start next year up, up at the top. All right. Well, I've got one more question in the mailbag here from at film study Ravens. And it's for Lindsay. It, it says, what was it like working for Ed Reed? Tell us about that. Oh, it was really cool. Um, he is probably one of the coolest people I've ever been around. He just like his attitude is he does. I mean, he cares a lot about people, but his attitude comes off as I'm just living for today. I don't really care what happens tomorrow. The, the sun could burn out, but I'm going to be here and be here for today. And I just like, I really love his vibe and just, he's such a fun person and just getting to see the, all of the, all of the things he does around the community and um, to help other people. The first event I ever worked at for him, um, it was one of those uh, flag football game sponsorship type of things. And it was set up where only the top um, contributing basically slats where you would get, you know, you donate a certain amount of money and only the top, um, the top donations would get to meet him and take pictures with him and everything. But he made sure to go around to every single person and thank them for donating, no matter if they donated $500 or if they donated $5. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and I just, I just love the, the, um, the just air that he brings around everybody and he just makes everybody, feel like he's their friend. And, um, I just like, I just love being around people like that. And it kind of got, I kind of got to see like the, the different, the different way, like it was, it was, um, seeing a guy like that, where you jump off your couch every, every time he had the ball. Um, and then just seeing this other side of him, it was just really, it was just really an unforgettable experience. So. All right, very cool. We I know we all appreciated him getting into the Hall of Fame and just all of the cool shots of him. And he took over Hall of Fame weekend. He just took it over in terms yeah. of Rich Eisen was just could not stop falling over himself, showing pictures of of Ed Reed with a unlit cigar in his mouth, walking around with that hairdo. You know, all of the stuff that he that he did and that's that weekend. Just- that's just so him. Like he did not care if you were talking about him walking around with a cigar. He is going to enjoy his weekend. There you go. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's just close the mailbag out. There is a great spot to stop. Uh, Lindsay OK on Twitter. LindsayOK.com. Both of those with two Y's. 
And then, uh, Lindsay, I was looking on your site, and you're doing things a little different than some other bloggers where you, it seems like half your posts are through Patreon. How's that work if people want to read your stuff? Um, so I, I post pretty much every day um, on both. Um, the the free stuff, the lindsayok.com stuff, it's basically like my takes on the big – the big um, the big headlines that day. Um, and then the Patreon's kind of like a more in-depth, um, like today I wrote about what would, um, the Panthers look like with, without Ron Rivera in 2020. So it kind of like, I kind of go a little bit in deeper in Patreon and there's some other things, there's some videos and stuff in there, um, and things like that. So, I mean, you can check out both, but I have some free stuff and then I have some not free stuff. So it's up to you what you want to look at. I'm not offended if you don't want to pay for it. It's not a big deal. Um, but, yeah, just look around, and, yeah, it's all there. All right. And, Ken, uh, filmstudybaltimore.com has got the breakdowns. What else is going on? Is there a Know Your Foe this week coming up? There out? is a Know Your Foe this week. We're doing it with a guy named Drew Geyer tomorrow, so that'll be a, that'll be a good episode. Drew uh, is, a, is a good talker, and he really loves his Buffalo Bills. I just did a Know Your Foe episode with them. They had a bucket of beers out, a bucket of moose heads. They worked their way through during the hour or so we were uh, we were talking. So uh, a lot of fun, and uh, uh, he certainly is a is a good guy, very affable. All right, well that'll be exciting to dig into that and and everything in the next couple of days. All right, well have a good evening. We'll talk uh, later with hopefully another Ravens victory this weekend. If you have loved ones that rely on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. With Policy Genius, you could save 50% or more by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, Policy Genius will compare prices starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to fast track your coverage with a no exam policy. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. If you have any questions, their team of licensed independent experts is on hand to help. In fact, Policy Genius's award winning service has a five star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make today the day you cross life insurance off your list and get protection for your loved ones. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. To get covered, Head to PolicyGenius.com today. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, 
triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.